What's up, Crossroads fam? Glad that you're here with us. This is Kenny. Excited about the message that God gave us last night. I uh, want to go ahead and get this out here. Uh, to, to be a successful Christian, there are many steps to take place, and we're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be finishing up on the five different steps we take to become a successful Christian. Of course, our first step was you've got to become a Christian, a follower of God, and then there, there are things that show that that's who you are. It's not just about wearing a, sh- a shirt or having a certain kind of music. You know, there there is proof in who you are in your faith. Uh, and then uh, our second step was to know God, and we started last week with that step, but this is such a big step. We're having to walk on it for two weeks. So uh, tonight we will finish uh, step two to know God. Glad that you're here with us and welcome to Crossroads. There are things that you have to do same way in business, but also in your life as a Christian. And the first step, of course, to be a successful Christian is you have to become a Christian. And one of the things that we talked about is once you are a Christian, there should be some proof that you're a Christian. More than just the fact that you might wear a shirt that says something about Jesus, your actions should show it. People should be able to see it in you. And one of the things we talked about is memorizing Scripture. Now, the first week, no one even said they attempted to memorize the Scripture. We gave you a verse last week asking again to Anyone even attempt? I saw a head shake. I saw like this little ball of hair shaking. So good. Uh, This is not something that I'm trying to hound you and be like, I can't believe you don't study the Word of God. Uh, You need to know Scripture. And so we've given you another power verse. It's going to finish up what what our message is tonight. And it's very important for you to start learning Scripture. You should have already been learning Scripture. Many of you know lots of Scripture. Um... I was meeting with some youth pastors not long ago, and they said, you know, we did a challenge with our students and said, how many of you would know 10 scripture off the top of your head? And he said, I didn't have one student raise their hand. And he said, I was so just disappointed. I was so dejected over the fact that, you know, for X number of years, I've been working with students and no one's memorizing scripture. He said, but then... I sat down with my wife and I said, I just asked for 10 scripture. And she said, I don't know that I could do it. And he said, Kenny, I looked at her and said, you're going to do it. And he sat down a piece of paper. He said, write them out. And she wrote 70-something scripture. And it's just because she's heard it time and time again. You know more scripture than you can imagine. And the thing is, we're wanting to in, just inundate you with some more scripture that's going along with what we're talking about that's going to help you. So make sure you're studying the scripture. The verse today, of course, is forgive us of our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Uh, that's going to finish up our study tonight. So if you would take your Bibles and if you didn't bring your Bible, um, I really one night, what I want to do one night is start crossroads and talk about Bible study and say, if you don't have your Bible, you can leave now. But I know there wouldn't be but about probably 15 or 20 people left. So bring your Bible. It's Bible study. If you go to a baseball game, you take what you need for a baseball game. If you go hunting, unless you're Scott Dawson, you carry hunting stuff. Scott Dawson didn't have bullets in his gun. He pulled it up and click, click, click. He said, I thought they came with bullets. So anyway, uh, bring your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, find somebody sitting close to you and look on with them. Um, We want you to be reading this scripture along with us. Luke chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 1. And I am reading from the NIV. If you don't read from that, that's cool. Whatever you like. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. 
Forgive us of our sin, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not to temptation. Now, many of you would say there are parts of this scripture missing because there are more things that are said. If you go into the book of Matthew, you can find a different version of what this prayer is. Uh, Jessica was talking to me about that. She was like, you didn't use the right one. And I was like, he's a simmer down, woman. And I said, this was written from Luke. Luke was, you know, he was a, was a doctor. So, I mean, Luke's very to the point. So this is the meat of what that passage is, of what that model prayer is. And so as we look at that, we, we can look back last week and see that there are several things that talk about the attributes of God, of what God is. The first thing we found is Father. And the thing is, is I, since Brother James' message, I have been just, my mind has just done some of this. Because he was talking about honoring your mother and your father. And I've got so many thoughts on that. And we're going to be getting into that in a couple of months because I'm still processing all that stuff. But I've really been just chewing on that because I know as well as anyone that there's some people that don't have a father. There are some people that's never had a compassionate father, a loving father. And so the question comes is, how would someone understand that? I had a young lady come to me one time and I said something about... You know, I said, it's like the love of your father. Like when you crawl up in your daddy's lap and they hug you. And she walked up to me. She said, I've never experienced that. And I thought, how can I explain it? And so what I want you to understand is when we hear the word father, when God, when Jesus is talking about God, his father, he's talking about one that provides, one that loves unconditionally, one that protects and so in your mind, that's what the picture is of what Jesus is talking about. Now, God is so much more than that, but that's a basic form so we can wrap our mind around what God is as a father. So we find that he is father. We also find that his name is Hallowed. We talked about the beauty and the importance of his name. There's something special about when you get a name. When, uh, when the boy was born, we had two different names picked out. Uh, we had boy's name and we had girl's name. And we spent so much time. We, we knew we were going to have a baby. We didn't know if it would be a boy or a girl. We figured it would be one of them. So we had names for both. So we were ready for it. And when his name was revealed, um, his grandmother, Miss Carla, had the names in her pocket. And she pulled out the pocket when we took our hand off the bow. Well, Jessica wasn't a part of that. You were... Yeah, what's up, man? I had a baby. So she, she's whacked out, and I'm holding the baby. The boy, sorry. Are you embarrassed? Don't be embarrassed. So I'm holding him. He's about this big. And I got my hand over his head, the little toboggan thing. And I move my hand. It's a little blue bow. And they go, because they're on the other side of the glass. And you can't hear what they're saying. And my father's pasted to the window because he can't see anything. He's like, I can't see anything. And you can hear my dad. But um, I was going, the names, the names. And I'm talking like, the names, the names. And like every... And their baby's crying everywhere because I'm waking them all up. And finally, Miss Carla pulls out the card and the name. And she opened it up and she read it. She went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> And she had that, okay, smile, pretend you like it. I don't know. But that name fits. And there's something about when you get that name. When that name is given to you, and that name is special, and the name of God is even more special. We talked about how when the priests would write the name of God, that they would, they would go and they would take their clothes, and they would change clothes and put on fresh clothes, and they would get fresh pencils or pens or feathers with ink or whatever it was that they were using to make sure that the name of God was represented the greatest that it could. And we talked about how that name should be carried along with you as you were going. And someone takes God's name in vain, you should be offended by that. You should be sickened by that because God 
God's name is that majestic. And His name is worthy of all the praise. So we talked about Him being our Father. We talked about Him being worthy. We talked about Him being a King. Because He says, your kingdom come. The King rules the kingdom. He, and Jesus is calling out for the things that are in heaven to be just like it is, uh, uh, the things on earth to be just like it is in heaven. And when the King comes, you create a path for it. We talked about if the President were to come, we would have this room looking as shiny as we could. We would have everything the best we could. We, if I could tell you that President uh, Trump was going to be here next week, you would probably invite people. You're not going to believe he's going to be here, President Trump. Half of your friends would be like, oh, I hate him, but they would come because he's the president. The other half would be like, we like him because his hair's weird. Whatever reason, they would want to see him. And you would have this place packed with people. Well, if God of all creation is coming, how much more would you want people to be a part of it? And so this is what Jesus is saying. When the king comes, we beg for his presence to be here. And in doing that, he was showing the disciples that you don't need to just wait until you die to experience God. His kingdom can come to, to earth through what you are doing. And so he pressed in for them to do that. So we find that he's a king. And, and then, uh, of course, we ended up with give us each day our daily bread. We talked about the need of God, the need of his word for us, the nourishment that it gives us. And we talked about how you couldn't just do it one day. You had to go daily for your bread. You couldn't hoard up everything. You had to make sure you didn't just come in for an hour and get a little Jesus and go. You had to spend every day gathering what you needed. And so that takes us to where we start tonight. And tonight begins with forgiveness. Now, I know that you all understand what forgiveness is, right? We all know what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the fragrance of the rose that clings fast to the hill that crushes it. What does that mean? I have no stinking idea. That was a poem I read when I was in high school. It was written by somebody that's a lot smarter than me. I'm too dumb to get it. And I was just like, that's so cool. Why can't I remember that? I can't tell you what I had for lunch. I don't know. A lot of brain damage. But anyway, forgiveness is something that we all understand because we all have asked for forgiveness at some point. And I don't want you to think that you'll ever get to the place where you quit asking for forgiveness because you're going to have to. At some point, you're going to be driving and these beautiful blue lights are going to come up behind you. And you're going to think, oh, that's so pretty. No. And they will pull you over. They'll come up and they'll tap on your window or they'll knock on your window or whatever to get your attention. And you'll roll down your window and after you wet your pants and the neighbor's pants are sitting beside you, you go, yes, sir, can I help you? Or yes, ma'am. And you try to talk to that officer and they'll say, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, I don't know. And you'll come up with some excuse why you were speeding. And because of that excuse, what you're wanting to hear is, it's okay, I'm going to let it slide. Let me go and write you a warning and let you know that there are a lot of people to get run over every day because fools like you driving. And then you're going to take that piece of paper and you're going to enjoy the forgiveness of that. Just like you enjoy the forgiveness of something that happens at your house when you do something you shouldn't do. And you realize that punishment probably means death. My parents are going to kill me. And you're like, I don't want to die. I'm only 48. You know, I don't want to die. When Jessica comes home, she's going to kill me. Peep this. Saturday, I had to ask for forgiveness in my house to my wife. We got a washing machine that Satan built. <laughs> and when we bought it, we're like, man, we are so cool. We've got a cool looking washing machine. And after about a year, it started throwing all the clothes to one side. And that would make it go boom, 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 boom. And it would bounce around the floor. And it would shake the floor. And we would go, what in the world? You honestly, it felt like someone was trying to break into the house. 
And so it's bouncing all over the place. I waited for it to, sit, to end up on the sofa beside me one day. And so when it would do that, then it would stop. You go, cool, it stopped. Then you go, ding, 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 which means, hey, it's broke. Come change the way it's. And so you'd have to open the lid and move the clothes around and close it, start it back up. And it got to where it was doing that every day. It didn't matter what size load you were watching. And it was just so frustrating. So I'm doing a puzzle because it relaxes me. I'm doing the puzzle. And the boy and Jessica are like, hey, can we go to Prattville? I said, yeah, we go to Prattville. Go on, get ready. So she's getting ready. And it said, ding, 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 ding. And I went in there and I grabbed the lid and pulled it up. And when I did, I didn't wait for it to unlock. And pieces of this washing machine, clink, 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 went flying everywhere. And I was like, oh, crap. This is like Jessica's favorite thing in our house is a washing machine. She loves to do clothes. Why? I don't know. She loves it. She'll sort of, oh, this is like fat people clothes and our clothes. That would be Kenny. Good Lord. We can't wash but one pair of his drawers because he's a big guy. So, you know, she's got it all planned out. She loves washing clothes. She loves drying clothes. She hangs clothes everywhere. You go in the kitchen, there's stuff like hanging in the refrigerator. She loves doing it. I just killed her love. And so I go back to my puzzle, kind of in prayer, kind of away from where she's going to be coming out because, I mean, she's going to stab me, obviously. And I said, she came walking through. She said, you ready to go? I said, yeah, I got good news and bad news. She said, what's that? I said, I broke your washing machine. And I could feel her smiling. I didn't look. I could just feel her go. <laughs> and I got up and I walked in there pretending to be sad. I was really happy too. Because I was, I was going to shoot it, man. I was ready to just. <laughs> but I had to go to her and say, hey, I'm sorry. I broke your washing machine. And she was like, oh, it's okay. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is awesome. We love for to hear it's okay. And in 12 months, that new washing machine will be ours. Woo! Hope it'll last that long. But we love to be forgiven. But we have the hardest time asking people to forgive us. Because the majority of the time, if we even get to the place where we say we're sorry, that's as far as we'll go. When you've hurt a friend, when you've done something against a friend, the majority of us, if you say anything, you'll be, I'm sorry. And you leave off the, will you forgive me? Because in this world, in the society we live, we minimize everything. And if I say, will you forgive me? That means that I was extremely wrong. If I just say, I'm sorry, that, that could be, I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt. I'm sorry that you're stupid. I'm sorry that I don't care that you're stupid. You know, whatever it is. But to go to that place where you say, will you forgive me? Guys do it completely different. Guys just walk up and go, hey. Hey, we good? Yeah, and it's over. <laughs> now you now you going to get a pizza? I mean that's that's it for guys. Or is hey, hey, we good? No, okay, and we're done. And we don't go. I can't believe I'm going. We just like I don't care. He's mad. He got his drawers all in the water. We don't care. But girls are like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But forgiveness is one of those things that we all want. But for us to be forgiven, we have to go to the place where we know we need to be forgiven for something we've done. And what I've come to find is that when we're dealing with God, the, the closer you are to God, the more you realize that you need to be forgiven. When you first start dating someone and you're first in a relationship, you might say something that that person doesn't like. But because you didn't know it, you didn't know that it bothered them, you would say it. And then on the 
first couple of days, they're not going to say, hey, if you don't mind, don't ever talk about that again because I, that hurts my feelings. They're not going to come out and say something like that. But before long, they're going to get to that place where like, we've been dating for like 28 years. Just think you might need to know, I don't like talking about peanut butter. I had a friend that was allergic to peanut butter and they exploded one day. It hurts my heart when you talk about peanut butter. And that person would gracefully go, I had no idea. I'll never talk about that substance again. George Washington Carver is dead to me. <laughs> he invented peanut butter. I'm just kidding. He didn't. So anyway, but when you're in that relationship with God, the closer you get to God, the more you realize that you need forgiveness because the closer you get to the brilliance and the beauty of who God is, the more you realize the sin that's in your heart. The more it is fleshed out. When you see the reflection of what God is in His creation, you realize how small you are. When you, when you find yourself drawing close to God in a personal way like you've never experienced, the more unworthy you feel to be there because God is perfect. And we get to that place where we know we need to ask for forgiveness. And you can go to your friends and say, man, I'm sorry I did so and so. I'm sorry I did this. But if it is a sin that you have committed, it doesn't matter if your friends forgive you. What matters is the one that paid the price for your sin, and that's Jesus Christ. And so that, that confession goes to God. And that's some of the, one of the things I want you to understand. When Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he's giving them an example. Jesus' life was an example for us to live. And he's showing them that forgiveness doesn't come from the king here on earth that says your penalty is forgiven, your, your, your penalty has been paid. It comes from God, the only one that can forgive sin because the price for sin cost his son his life. He is the only one that could do that. So God is a God of forgiveness. And that's something that, that we really need to lock in on. It doesn't matter how bad, it doesn't matter how terrible, God is a God of forgiveness. And as we continue down, we find that God is a leader. When we read this scripture, he says, lead us not into temptation. How many of you would think that God would take you by the hand and lead you into the thing that you're tempted by the most? Well, of course, none of us would think that because he's God. God would not put us in a place that we don't need to be. Yet we find ourselves going wherever we want to, following whoever we want to, because we all follow leaders. You remember the game when you were a kid, follow the leader? And you would follow the leader and you would do exactly what he did. It was funny. When I in Crossroads, we were in this room. It was when it was white. It's a long time ago. It was just over there. And so we, we had probably 40 students here. And I went up to Amy's sister, Erin, and I said, Erin, I need you to be the leader tonight. And she was like, she's about this talk. She said, okay, what does that mean? And I said, I'm going to say we're going to play follow the leader, and I'm just going to walk out the door. And you're going to be the second person behind me. So one person, and then you are there. And then as soon as you get to the door, I want you to turn the other way and just walk a different direction. And she said, okay. And so here we go. I said, hey, guys, glad you're here tonight. Let's play follow the leader. Come on. And so I took off out the door, and you hear folks just hammering the floors behind me. Hey, we go. Kenny's going to get us killed. It's going to be great. Let's go. And so they're all walking behind me, and Erin just goes, walks her own trail. If there were older people in the church watching, they're probably going, what's that little girl just sitting walking around out there? She was all by herself, and then she went and just stood in the corner of the parking lot. It's back when that asphalt area was gravel. And she just stood there, and we got finished. And I said, all right, let's all go back. And I said, why don't y'all follow me? Because you're the leader. Why did you think I was the leader? Aaron was the leader. And they're like, oh, dude, I had no idea. You're the old one. <laughs> just because I'm old don't mean I'm wise. It just means I'm old. 
You got to know who you're following. I talked to a lady the other day and she was talking about her daughter. She said, my daughter's wanting to wear makeup. (sighs) And I said, oh, I'm so glad I got a boy. And then I hear this. Yeah, she's been watching this guy on YouTube that shows her how to put makeup on. And I went, oh, yeah, what? She said, yeah, it's this guy. He's got millions of followers. And he teaches them how to put on makeup. And I was like, (laughs) and I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah. So I said, who it is? And she told me. And so I came back and like five million people follow him. And I read in 1 Corinthians where it says to not be effeminate. And it says the same thing, like, don't be effeminate. And then it, let me just go and find what I wrote. Mm-mm-mm. God tells us not to be effeminate, said that it's wrong. In the same verse, it speaks of fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, and homosexuals. And so when I hear that, I'm a, if I believe what God's word says, he just said it's wrong, I probably shouldn't be supporting Junebug. Whatever its name is. His name is. Now, I know I'm old, but am I the only one that freaks out by that? Mm-mm. Right now, there's some girls going, mm, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to breathe because I check him out. You know, Brian, I ain't, Brian, I ain't never gone to any social media and asked some woman how I should shave my face. There ain't a woman, there's some women that probably should. <laughs> Jill, oh, 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 sorry, I just pointed at the camera. Just like there's a man that could really use some makeup, big bang, right here, all right? There are certain things, that, come on. Who are you following? I mean, don't get it twisted. I love the world. If bro man walked in with his makeup, I'd be like, ah. Have a seat, man. I'm going to talk to you about God. Here go wet wipes. See if you can get some of that off. I don't know how that works. Who are we following? And do we follow these people because it's socially acceptable or because we believe they're truly what we need to follow? Yet when we call out to God, when Jesus Christ calls out to God, he says, lead us not into temptation because temptation is everywhere. We live in a world where temptation is at the end of your hand. Some of you right now have got a death grip on your phone because you thought, what if Kenny says, bring your phones up tonight? We've got a death grip on that. Big Hun, I'm sitting there talking to Big Hun. He's about to go have his heart cut open. Three bypasses. Y'all know how they crack the bones like with, ah, they're about to do that. He's got his phone. I'm like, bruh, they're about to cut your heart open. And you worried about your phone. About to have my heart cut open. I'm like, no. It's so easy for us to follow anything now because it's at our fingertips. Yet, so is this. And we choose so many times not to follow this because this does not lead us into temptation. If God himself walked in tonight and he grabbed me by the hand, I would not expect him to walk me to a restaurant and sit me down where I can order a double bacon cheeseburger with jalapenos and some french fries that got chili and cheese on it. Come on. He would not take me there because that's my temptation. He would not say, hey, Kenny, why don't we go to Fat Burger? Just sit down, man. Go on, get your heart attack on. God's not going to leave me there because he knows if I'm not there, I can't be tempted. I might think about it, but if it's not there in front of me, there's no way that I can get it. 
And our temptations lead us to getting things that we shouldn't have. God's not going to take us to that place. That's why we call out to God to lead us not to temptation, knowing that he's not going to. But God, every day there are going to be temptations for me. This morning, my alarm clock went off at 5 o the clock. Y'all know that comes twice a day, right? It comes really early in the morning and then in the afternoon. So this was the morning one. And I turn my alarm off because I want to be a great husband and not wake my wife up. Unfortunately, when I turned the phone off, I just went... And man, y'all know as soon as you wake up, if you lay your head back down, that's the most comfortable you have ever been. It's like you're laying on a pillow of clouds and God is rubbing your hair. Now, I don't know what it's like for you, but that's what it is for me. And I lay back down and as he began to stroke my hair, I was like, ah. And it was heavenly. And I was just like, gone, man, this blanket's warm. Because we keep it about two degrees in our house. I was wrapped up to my chinny chin. And I was like, mmm, this feels so good. We got a tile shower. It's going to be so cold. I'm just laying there, and I'm just like, man, hang on. Big Hun's about to have his heart cut open. I got to go on and get up. Yeah, I should get up. (laughs) (laughs) And then it started. Then I woke up like 15 minutes later. And so then I'm running, and I don't even get my coffee. No, I got coffee. I didn't get breakfast. I had one of those weird... (laughs) So anyway, that, that is a temptation. For us to go back to something that we know we shouldn't go to. And we're asking God not to lead us there. And God is faithful. If our heart's desire is for Him to take us places that we should be and away from places we shouldn't be, He's going to lead you in the right path. He's going to not make those things obsolete in your life, but He's going to give you the will to walk away from it or the ability to make decisions that's not going to put you in that place to begin with. Okay, you don't understand. It just happened. What just happened? I just had a drink. Really? It just happened? You were just sitting there watching Scooby-Doo and all of a sudden a beer popped into your mouth. Well, no, I went to a party. Ding! Well, you don't want me to go to parties? No, I go to parties. Find a better party. It's not difficult. Well, you're just old. You're right. And because of all the stupid things I've done, there's an old person standing up here each week trying to get you not to be as dumb as he was. Had I listened to God and called out for him to not lead me into temptation, instead I pushed him away and I took my own path. God is a God that loves us. He's that father that would not lead us into a trap. And then the last thing that I want us to look at real quick, oh, I'm going to run you late. God is approachable. God is approachable. Now, there are people in your life that you have trouble walking up and speaking to because either you're in awe of them or you are afraid of them. There are people that I encounter that I'm not scared. I've never met a person. Well, I've met a couple of women that scare me. But I'm not afraid of them, right? Because I know I can outrun them for a couple of feet anyway. I got that. But I'm not intimidated by people because I've always thought, man, the worst thing you can do is kill me. Which sounds crazy, but I mean, Paul said it. He rocked the world. So I mean, cool. You're going to kill me. So I'm, I'm really not. But there are people that I would find myself not being able to go up and speak to. A president. A celebrity. An athlete that just blows my mind. There are people that I've looked at from a distance. I had the the privilege years ago to be in the same arena as Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan's up there giving a speech. And I was young. I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And I'm sitting there listening to President Reagan. 
And I was just like, man, it's the coolest thing in the world. And then I started thinking, what would you say to him? And I knew exactly what I would say. I would go, because I couldn't approach him. And I think a lot of times we see God the same way because he is the creator of all. Because he knows our innermost thoughts. Because he knows what we need before we need it. I asked the question last last week, why would Jesus pray? Yes, he gave us an example. But if God knows who we are and knows what we need before we even need it, why would he tell us or command us to pray to him? Has anybody come up with an answer? I'm going to give you an answer to that in just a minute. But first I want to read something else to you. Starting at verse 5 of Luke chapter 11. It says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of, your, one of you has a friend and goes uh, to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have nothing set before him to set before him. Uh, then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are, in, uh, are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Not as much as he wants, as much as he needs. You might want to double check that part. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Parables of Jesus are beautiful because they're beautiful illustrations of what we're supposed to be. And anytime I read a parable, I always think, which one of these am I? And so as I'm reading this parable, I quickly identify that I am the one that's on the outside of the door, knocking at the door, asking for something. Now, you've got to understand, when this was written in biblical Palestine time, you've got to understand that bread, of course, as we talked about last week, they would get up each day and they would bake their bread for the day, and they would eat until it was gone, and then the next day they would get up again. And there were times that maybe, maybe one of the children was somewhere else. Maybe the, the husband was out working. He didn't get to come home that day because his flock had gone somewhere else. So there was extra bread there. And so this guy says, obviously my friend's husband, maybe, maybe the wife was out of town, and there's extra food there. And so he goes and knocks, and I think that's obviously who I am. So if that's who I am, that makes God the grumpy man in bed saying, don't bother me. No. No. It's beautiful the way it states it because he says, he knocks on his door and he says, friend, because at midnight you want to make sure they know you're a friend. They, you don't want them to go, hey, buster. You know, hey, friend, buddy. Could you, could you hook me up with some bread? I've got this guy that's on a journey and he doesn't have anything to eat. We ran out of little Debbie cakes because we took them all to camp. And y'all ate 48 boxes of Little Debbie cakes. I don't have anything. Do you have anything? And he says, don't bother me. Those of you that are parents, you would realize what this is like. Because if someone knocks on your door after you fought for three hours to get a child down to go to sleep, if they knock on that door, you would not scream through the house, don't bother me. You would beat yourself up, get into the door, go, shh, 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 shh. He's asleep. But this man says, don't bother me. The children are asleep. And then Jesus, as he's telling this story, he says he wouldn't give him the food because he is a friend, but because of that person's boldness, willing to ask, he would give it to him. God has your bread, and all he wants is for you to ask for it. Sorry, I'm having trouble with the camera. I understand. (laughs) Siri don't get it. She said, I don't ask for nothing. I look it up. But you know what? You don't have that option. 
There are things coming in your life that you've got to have help with. There's nourishment that you need that you can't get by Google or Siri or JoJo or whoever. You've got to go to God. And the beautiful thing about God is He is approachable. Yet a lot of times we feel like we can't go to Him because our life is such a train wreck. God makes beautiful things out of disasters. All He's wanting is for you to say, help. The beautiful thing about the model prayer, when Jesus sets this example, it was not just for His disciples, it's for us as well. And if you were to to take heed of what this is saying, you would find God to be more than you could ever imagine. Do you know who God is yet? There's some beautiful attributes of who God is found in the model prayer. If it hadn't made sense yet, go back tonight and read it again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Uh, Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find links to all my social media. Or, hey, just stop by and send me sometime. West End Baptist Church in Clanton, Alabama. Or you can come on a Wednesday night to Crossroads. Love for you to come be a part of what God's doing here. And again, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.